0: through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Thoughtful Thursdays on the Plan B C R N A CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones. And as always, I like to start these shows off with a quote that gets me thinking. Today, I happen to have two. So... Here you go. Uh, Pearl S. Buck once said, I don't wait for moods. You accomplish nothing if you do that. Your mind must know that it has to get down to work. And Stephen King intimated something similar when he said, Amateurs sit and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. Inspiration, motivation, whatever you want to call it. It's been on my mind quite a bit lately. And it's so important because without it, our goals and dreams would largely be unattainable, right? I mean, not that all goals are worth pursuing. I mean, I can dream of winning the lottery while lacking the motivation or conviction to actually buy lottery tickets. I mean, that's not such a bad thing to not shell out that kind of money. But dreams can inspire us to take concrete action. Sometimes we need that boost of energy that helps us to make a needed change. But just like when you're starting a new diet or begin working out, What happens when that initial motivation begins to fade? Without that motivation, it becomes harder and harder to stick with your goals. There's a chart by Liz Fossline that shows two graphs, one that shows what it looks like to rely on motivation and another that shows what it looks like to rely on consistency. The motivation graph shows three separate and varying bursts of energy that seem to accomplish much only for them to each fall back down off a cliff uh, coming back down to earth without much movement from the baseline in the end. And in contrast, the graph that speaks of consistency is simply a stair-like pattern that continues to slowly rise and carry you further from the baseline over time. And the stats bear some of this out. Gym memberships and crowding actually peak in January, which is no surprise with you know uh, those kinds of New Year's goals. But they come back down drastically in February and March. It's easy to become motivated and to get started. And I would argue that it's necessary and important for any goal that we hope to achieve. But I think we often underestimate the time and effort needed to actually see things through to an acceptable end. We're pulled back into our old habits by comfort because we're trying to take large steps too quickly. Now, I've always asked my kids when they face a tall task, how do you eat an elephant? And of course, by now they roll their eyes and say, One bite at a time, dad. But it's one thing for me to tell you to eat an elephant. It's another to tell you to eat it by the end of the week versus by the end of the year. Those two paths would look very different with different systems to accomplish the same overall goal. Okay, let's get off the elephant thing and look at something that might make more sense without being so gross. For years, the benchmark for many folks for retirement has been that $1 million mark by the age of 65. But how do you get there? As you can imagine, the plan looks much different depending on when you start. Let's make some assumptions here. Let's go with no savings to start, a $60,000 salary, and investments that earn 6% annually. I'm not worried about pay increases, employer matches, inflation, or any of that other stuff. Just these basic assumptions. Now, if you start at the age of 25, you'll need to put away about 10% of your income, or $502 per month, to reach your mark. If you wait until you're 35, you still have 30 years to go. That's a lot of time, but now you'll need to save 20% of your income or $996 per month to reach that $1 million mark. Now, let's say you wait until you're 45 to start saving. While you still have 20 years to sock money away, you're going to have to set aside a whopping 43% of your income or $2,164 per month to hit your goal. And while this is a great illustration of the power of compounding, it alludes to something else that I'd like to point out. Think about each of those scenarios that I mentioned. How different do the systems for each starting point look? I think we can all agree that saving $500 a month is a lot more tenable than saving $2,100 a month. And the pain of changing your habits is much greater the bigger the steps that you have to achieve a particular goal. Which leads me to the question. How can we use motivation to lead to consistency to lead to the results we want? My take on that is that we have to find some way to remain motivated while we're establishing those new habits. First off, the science of habits shows that a habit consists of three components, a cue, a routine, and a reward. The cue is the key that triggers you to make that habit. This can be a visual trigger, a time of the day, a sequence of thoughts, or an emotional state. Of course, the routine is the actual habit that you're looking to create, and the reward is the feeling that you get after doing the routine. The reward can literally be anything that makes you feel good, whether it's a specific treat or meal, a kindly spoken word, a physical sensation, or internal pride in your own accomplishment. And what that all means to me is that we need to create systems that are satisfactory to us in some fashion. It's not about the goals that you have necessarily, but making sure that you feel happy with the progress you're making along the way. We often don't stick with new habits because they are too out of sync with how we currently live our lives. We have to redefine our goals to focus on the systems that we're putting in place to actually reach them. And we should probably start smaller, focusing on just one or two smaller components of the overall goal. And if you're still wondering what all this means, take a look at a marathon training program. Of course, there are different types depending on your fitness level, but the point is clear. You have to start much smaller in order to build the consistency needed to actually run the race. You start with the shorter distances that you're able to do and become consistent at doing them for several days until you're used to it. Once you've achieved that smaller goal and your confidence is up, then you build upon it by taking that next small step to increase mileage the following week. These plans take months to achieve, just for the goal of completing a race. Now think about the kinds of plans that you have to put in place in order to achieve even larger goals. You can expect those to utilize more systems and smaller goals along the way. I mean, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. And that's all well and good, but what happens if you take some days off and break that consistency? Well, first off, breathe It's okay, you can do this without beating yourself up about it. Show yourself some grace, but then get back on that horse. I mean, you don't wanna miss too much time because that can lead to feelings of inadequacy or force you to wonder about the impossibility of your overall goal. Now, there are plenty of tips to create new habits built upon consistency, and I'll have several links in the show notes for that. But motivation and consistency go hand in hand. In order to ultimately get the chance to celebrate the larger goals that we have, We must create systems and habits that provide satisfaction during the long journey. That satisfaction is the ultimate motivation to keep plugging away at the small things that lead to big achievements. Now, if you're looking for some books to motivate you, uh, check out The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, Atomic Habits by James Clear, uh, The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results by Gary Keller, and Deep Work. Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World by Cal Newport. And of course, I have some links for you to check out as well. And and, I mean, that's what I've got for you today. If you enjoyed what you heard, uh, make sure you hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. I'd love to hear what you thought of the show today, so make sure you put that in any review that you leave. Uh, If you're interested in passive income opportunities with tax-advantaged real estate, make sure you visit my website at www.oncallinvestments.com or reach out to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Until next time, be safe and take care of each other out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by On Call Capital. They're dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find On Call Capital on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.